You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I don't want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to have you close your eyes and bow your heads or anything like that. But one thing about a pastor, when you become a pastor, is you you get to be able to read your people's faces. So I think I will just be able to know by your face the answer to this question. You know, we talk about storms. We talk about trials. We talk about a, a lot of different things. So how many of you right now, again, don't raise your hand. How many of you right now, you're going through a trial? (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I I know that a lot of people are. I mean, Spurgeon, Spurgeon said, if you preach to broken hearts, you are never going to want for an audience. So I know that many people are. I want to preach to you on this question. Why the fire? We talk about trials and Oftentimes, they're compared to fire, and we're going to see that in the verse that we read in Proverbs chapter 17. So let's go ahead and stand once we found it. Let's make sure that our cell phones (coughs) 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 are on (coughs) silent. Cell phones on silent. Lord, why the fire? I know I'm not the only person who has asked that. Let's try to answer it tonight. Why the fire? Verse 3, Proverbs 17, verse 3. The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. I'll try to explain what that means at the very beginning. Let's have a word of prayer, though, first. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would please bless the preaching of your word and help us to understand as your people the many different reasons why we might be facing the fiery trial that we are facing right now. And Lord, this could be individually or this can be corporately as a church. But I'm, I'm afraid many of us, when we go through things like this, we, we don't truly understand what you are doing and why. And uh, we get ourselves into trouble when that happens. So for your sake, would you please speak through me and to your people as you spoke to me during my study. Let it be so for Christ's sake. If there are any here who do not know you as Savior, please save them. Any who are away from you, please call them back home. Any who are thinking of going away from you, Please dispel that from them. And uh, any who are not here today who could be here tonight, please convict them for not being here and bring them in on Sunday. Help us to stay faithful and humble. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When a metal refiner received a piece of raw silver or raw gold, impurities would be mixed in with that precious metal. And if that silver and gold 
was to reach its full potential value, it must go through a purging process. If the refiner just left the silver and the gold as it was, it would hold some value, but nowhere near the value that it could hold. And it's interesting to think of, it's kind of strange to think about. Usually in order to increase something's value, you have to add something to it. But with silver and with gold, in order to increase its value, you have to remove something from it. Impurities have to be removed so that only the pure silver and the pure gold would remain. So how, do, how does a refiner bring out the impurities from silver and from gold? Well, soap and water would address the outside, but would not address the inner impurities. So soap and water would not work. Chemicals were not the way to go. Only fire worked. The refiner would dig a pit into the ground and then also dig some type of, some type of vent. And he would, he would build a fire in that pit and then be able to pump air into the fire to constantly keep the oxygen up so that it would really pump up the heat of everything. And then he would take a fining pot and put it over that pit, put silver in it, the silver would melt, the impurities would rise to the top, the dross would rise to the top, and at that point you just scrape it off. And what you have left is a pure piece of silver. Now get this, the silver would come out smaller, but pure. That is a necessity of the purging process. You can never go through purging without coming out smaller. You have to get rid of material. The silver would come out smaller because it would lose the material, the impure material, and only the pure, or mostly pure, would be left. Refiners used furnaces as well, something above ground, a kiln, if you would, where you could build a fire, stoke it up very hot, and then put gold in some type of pot or in some type of pan. The gold would melt, impurities would come to the top. You could scrape off the impurities. The gold would come out smaller, but it would come out purer. And what the Bible says is when God receives your heart, just like the metal refiner received the raw gold or the raw silver, when God receives your heart, there are impurities that are mixed within your heart. And if your heart, and we know that we're not talking about the organ thing, we're talking about your, when the Bible is talking about your heart, it's talking about your command center. It's talking about your core. It's talking about your life, your, your very being. When God receives your heart, if your heart is going to attain to its full potential value, it must go through a purging process. God does not bring out your, to, your true value by adding things to you. God brings out your true value by removing things from you. The only thing that God promises to add to you is your necessities, your clothing, your food, and and. I think that's it. You're having therefore fruit and raiment. Let us there be, therewith be content. The only thing that God promises to add to you are your necessities. That doesn't give you any value. What gives you value are the impurities that he says, I want to remove from you. And only fire works. Every heart owned 
by the heavenly refiner must go through the fire. Because to leave you as you are would be irresponsible. To leave you as you are would be a waste of great potential value. And just as the refiner will try his silver and will try his gold in a purging process, so God will put your heart through fiery trials. Financial fires, health fires, relationship fires. Your mind is already going like crazy what those look like. Career fires, where suddenly out of nowhere you get laid off. Or your schedule changes, and you weren't expecting it. Fires of persecution at school, work, your neighbors, your family. Fires of failed business endeavors. Files, uh, fi- files, fires of failed ministry goals. Where you feel you have a spiritual impulse from the Lord or you feel that you have, you have a spiritual vision for your class or for your church or whatever it is. And so you set the goal and it falls flat. Where does that come from? Fires of family disputes and divisions where your family is going along just fine. You've never really always seen eye to eye. You've always loved each other. Maybe not always liked each other, but always loved each other. But then suddenly you lose the love and your family gets ripped apart. That's a fiery trial. Fires of educational frustration where you're in college and suddenly you realize this major is mm-mm. And so you think, okay, is this just a waste of money? And I mean, you go through it. And why does that happen? And when we go through fiery trials, and I think you would be able to answer this, but just in case to try to keep control. When you go through fiery trials, when I, I'll put it this way. When I go through fiery trials, I have two questions that go through my mind in no specific order. Question number one, how long is this going to last? When I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through a fire, we'll call it tonight, I am asking how long is this going to last? David asked this. My soul is sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Asaph asked this. How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Ethan, the Ezraite, wrote Psalm 89. He asked it. How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Jeremiah asked this. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? That was his fire. His fire was that he's preaching the truth, but he's surrounded by peers that are preaching falsehood. And since he's the only one that's standing for right, everybody wants to kill Jeremiah and listen to the false prophets. And so he asked the Lord, how long is this going to go on? Habakkuk asked this. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? But what is the main question that we ask when we go through a fire? Why? Why? That was Job's question. Why? I just want to know why. I know that the Lord can do whatever he wants. He can can punish the just. He can punish the unjust. I get it. But I just want to know why. That was Rebecca's question. Rebecca, uh, the Bible says, inquired of the Lord as she's giving birth to her twins. Obviously, it was the Lord's will for her to have children. She's a part of the promised bloodline. And she asked this, if it be so, if this is God's will, why am I thus? If, it, if this is God's will, why is it so difficult? 
Now, I know nobody's ever asked that question before. If this is God's will, why am I going through this? That was her question. That was Paul's question about his thorn. Why? I haven't gone through a fire in my life where I haven't asked the Lord why. Now, before we go any further, let's answer those two questions. And let's, let's answer, answer them very maturely. Let's answer them in a Christian way. Let's answer them in faith, knowing that our flesh isn't going to like it. How long does the fire last? As long as God deems fit. Now, we know that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. But it's as long as God deems fit. And why? Why does it happen? The best answer that we can give is there's always a reason. There is always a reason why you go through fiery trials. Now, here's the premise of my entire message. What I want to bring out to you is that it is possible for you to misunderstand the reason why you are going through your fire. And through misunderstanding why, through missing the reason why, you may be prolonging your fire. Now, let me explain what I mean by giving you the first reason why you may be going through your fire. And then once I give you the first reason why, I'll then show you how missing that reason why could be prolonging your fire. So you're going through a fiery trial. You ask why. The first reason why you might be going through it is because God wants to get you right. You might be going through your trial because God is punishing you. You have the impurity of sin in your life. And so God places you in a fiery trial to remove, to purge that impurity from you. When Nadab and Abihu... I think I'm saying that right, brought sin into the Holy of Holies. They were consumed with fire. When the sin of complaining came amongst the people of Israel, the Bible says the fire of the Lord burnt among them. When the sin of rebellion entered by Korah, the Bible says there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. When the sin of idolatry crept into the nation of Israel for years and years and started to pervade their culture, many of the prophets warned of judgment that would come, and they said it's going to come as a fire. Must we go any further in seeing how God uses fire to punish sin by realizing that when he thought of the way to punish sin for eternity, he made it a place of fire. It's very possible that the reason you're going through your fire is because God is punishing you for sin in your life. Now, stick with me. Let's say that you miss that reason. Let's say that in your fiery trial, you give no thought to the fact that God may be punishing you for sin. But instead, you mistake your fiery trial for bad luck. Murphy's Law. Just life. Let's talk to Mr. Christian here, okay? We'll come back to Mr. or Miss Christian over and over throughout, throughout the message. And Mr. and Miss Christian says, well, my car keeps breaking down, and my house needs constant repairs, and my bank account is dwindling, 
and my job is fragile right now, and my relationships are breaking, my health is giving me fits, my ministry is failing, my family is struggling, my education is at a standstill. They're saying one or all of those things, whatever. And then this is what they say. The devil's really fighting right now. I think we give the devil too much credit sometimes. The devil's really fighting right now. Murphy's Law is in full effect. Luck just isn't on my side at the moment. Life is hard. Or maybe, or maybe, maybe your car and house need constant repairs because you're not in church. It is important. It is important. Maybe your bank account is dwindling because you're robbing him. And you're not even tithing. You're not even giving 10%, which is where a New Testament giver should start. And maybe your job is fragile because you've made your job an idol. And you give more time at that. Or maybe in your job, you're working deceitfully in order to put yourself up the ladder. Maybe that's why your job is fragile right now. And God doesn't like it. Maybe your relationships are breaking because they're sinful relationships. And they're pulling you away from God rather than pushing you towards God. Maybe your health is giving you fits because you're smoking and drinking and fist fights and dirty talk. Maybe it's because you're smoking and you're drinking and you're vaping and you're, and you're doing all these drugs. Maybe that's why your health is giving you fits. Because God has, God has installed software into your body that will tell you, don't do that to me. Your body has a way of telling you, I don't enjoy inhaling smoke. Maybe your ministry is failing because you've made it all about you. And it's pride. Maybe your family is struggling because you're at home watching junk. Your family's going to struggle if you're watching series about serial killers. What are we, what are we doing opening our mind to that stuff? What are we doing opening our mind to that stuff? Where we have kids going around saying, you know who my favorite serial killer is? Let's translate that. Let me tell you who my favorite rapist is. Let me tell you who my favorite murderer is. Your family's going to struggle. So if you want to blame Murphy's Law, why don't you examine a little bit at what you're letting into your home. Or you're listening to music that's all about drugs, all about alcohol, all about sex, all about all this stuff. Or it's written by people that that's what they're all about. Your family's going to struggle. Education is at a standstill. Maybe it's because it's a worldly degree. Have you ever thought that the reason why you're facing your fire is because God wants to remove those things from your life? And until you understand that that is the reason why, until you understand that's the reason why, you're not going to repent of those sins. But until you repent of those sins, your fire needs to keep going then. Because the purpose of God's fire is always to remove something. And until it's removed, the fire needs to keep going. Do you get it? Oh, Lord, how long? How long is this fire going to last? Well, it's going to last as long as he deems fit. I don't want you thinking, okay, I've learned my lesson. Chill. No, no, it, it, it'll, it'll go as long as he deems fit. But 
it stands to reason that if your fire is meant to remove sin and the sin is removed, you can make the logical argument that the fire can stop. So uh, do, do you see how missing your reason why could prolong your fire? Do you see the reason why? Okay. Now I know who I'm preaching to tonight. I'm preaching to a Wednesday night crowd, cream of the crop, choir, all, all those different things. Now I don't want you thinking you're perfect. We're all horrible. But I hope that when you face a fire, one of the first things you ask is, Lord, have I done something wrong? I hope that's one of the first things that you ask. Have I done something wrong? Have I angered you? Have I sinned against you? Tell me what it is and I'll stop. Now, I have had good people ask me before in their fire when they're going through something. And they ask me, Pastor, is God angry with me? How, here's, here's what they ask. How can I know if God is punishing me? How can I know if God is punishing me for my sin? Now, if I know the person is not doing right, I'm not going to look back at them and say, well, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to look back at them as their pastor and say, you can't expect your life to go perfectly when you're doing this and this. You can't expect it. You're the one who asked. I'm going to give you the answer. But if I don't know the person or if I don't see any open sin in the person's life, because that's a lot of our sin. It's not open. It's hidden. If I don't see any open sin in the person's life, I will, I will tell them this. Only you can know if God is punishing you for something. But let me tell you something. When God is punishing you for something, you know it. You know it. John Timothy Che, go to your room. And I say, okay, Tracy, okay, hang on. <laughs> no, I'm talking, I'm talking about when I was a kid, when I was a kid. Way, way back in the, in the couple years that I was a troublemaker and then I got better. Um, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't lie in church, I'm so sorry. John Timothy Che, go to your room. So I'd go to my room. And I'd sit there in silence for years. <laughs> and dad would enter in with this weapon, this instrument of violence. <clears throat> what were you thinking? Don't answer. If you ever do that again, you will get punished just like you're getting punished today. Turn around. And fire would fall from above. He's a small man. There's muscle in there, I promise you. Fire would fall from above. Think about what you've done. I'll be back in five minutes. Now, in that moment, I never asked. I wonder if dad's angry. I wonder if I did something to upset him. I wonder if he's punishing me for something. Did I do something wrong? I knew before the punishment came. I knew when John Timothy came out that I had done something wrong. Many, okay, many good people. So again, you guys, guys, how can I know when God is punishing me? I think here's where that's coming from. Many good people immediately assume that their fire be, is because God is angry with them. And that should be one of our first questions. Lord, have I done something against you? Have I sinned against you? But what I'm trying to tell you is the reason for your fire isn't always because God is angry. 
The reason for your fire isn't always because he's punishing you for your sin. Job's fire wasn't. If you, so if you spend the whole time in your fire thinking God is punishing you for sin when that is not the reason for your fire, first of all, you're going to get frustrated and then you'll even get bitter. I haven't done anything against you. Why don't you leave me alone? Why am I going through this? You get bitter against him and you may be prolonging your fire. You think your fire is there to remove sin from your life, but it's actually there to remove something else. But because you're not focusing on that, it will not be removed. And since it will not be removed, your fire needs to continue. Because the purpose of the fire is to remove something. I talked to my wife today at, at lunch. We were at lunch, and I was telling her, I, I, want, I want the people to understand the different reasons why they might be facing their trial. And the first thing that she said is, it's sometimes it is difficult for me to be able to distinguish between when God is punishing me and when the devil is just fighting against me. How do you distinguish that? And so I, I told her what I told you. Like, you know, you know when God is punishing you, don't you? But here's what happens. You, you ask, Lord, have I sinned against you? Have I done anything against you? And immediately the devil comes up and says, why is a sinner asking that question? Do you not have sin in your life? Of course, of, of course he's punishing you for something that you've done. You're a sinner. Dumb question. But then your thing is, okay, obviously I'm a sinner, okay? Obviously, I, I get that. But I'm not living in sin. And, and if, in that case, is there any fire that comes in my life that isn't because of my sin? And I'm sure that you can make the argument because, because of that, but... When you look in your life and you're asking, like, Lord, what, what have I done? What, and, and you could go back, okay, you know, I'm, I'm working on my gossip. I'm working on my temper. I'm working on my thoughts. You know, I'm working on all that. There's obviously areas that I can get better in. And I'm not trying to make myself more righteous than I am. I know that I'm, I'm worth nothing. But I don't see anything in my life that's, like, overly wicked. You know what I'm saying? And, and look, even Job said that. Even Job said that when he was going through his trial and he starts, I, I just want to know why. And what did all his friends say? Well, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. You must have done something horrible. You must have cheated on your wife. You must have had orphans come and knock at your door and say, get out of here. You must have seen somebody who needed clothing and you didn't give them clothing. What horrible thing have you done? God doesn't allow these things to happen unless you've done something wrong, Job. And Job's answer is, guys, if you're trying to make the argument that I'm a sinner, I, I don't need any proof of that, <laughs> okay? I, I am a sinner. He even says at one point, I, I have sinned, okay? I, I've sinned, yes. But then he says this later, the Lord knows that I'm not wicked. And the Lord did know that. He was a perfect and upright man, one that feared the Lord and eschewed, and eschewed evil. So for Job to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner, I, obviously, the fire could be because of sin. I just don't see what I've done. Have you ever felt that way? Because the first thing we go is, have I done anything wrong? But then you come to the conclusion, no, I don't know that I have. So then if it's not to punish me for sin, what am I missing here? If it's not to punish me for sin, why am I going through this? So then we have to ask ourselves, other than punishment for sin, what reason is there for me to go through the fire? And don't you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego asked that question? You know, while they're being bound 
and about to be cast into the fire, they knew they had done nothing wrong. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do anything wrong to go through their fiery trial? No. They knew they had done nothing wrong. They knew they had done nothing to deserve punishment. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We will not serve thy gods, nor the image which thou hast set up. Did nothing wrong. And yet, here they are being cast into the fiery furnace. I don't know how long it was to get, to get down there, but, but can you imagine the entire time they're being bound and they're being brought in and they're being, they're being cast in? Can you imagine them asking, Lord, have we done anything? Are we doing something wrong here? Are we supposed to capitulate? Because we were taught you don't bow. We were taught thou shalt have no other gods before us. Why is this happening? This isn't for punishment. So then why the fire? We'll let Nebuchadnezzar answer that one. Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? True, O king. Lo, I see four men. And they're loosed. And the fourth has the form like the Son of God. Have you ever thought, maybe your fire is because God wants you to know what it's like to walk right beside him. Your fire may very well be to get you right. Your fire may be to draw you near. Now listen, if your fire is to get you right, what has to be removed? Sin has to be removed. If your fire is to draw you near, God has to remove any part of you that is willing to compromise with the world. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. These three Hebrew boys had done nothing wrong. They were presented, however, with an opportunity to compromise with the world. You can worship the Lord in your heart, but bow on the outside. They're giving an opportunity to compromise with the world. And so God brings this fire to give them an opportunity to prove that they have no desire to do so. We will not bow. And we believe that our God is able to deliver us from the fire or through the fire. And they believe that so deeply that they took that belief with them in the fire. And that is where they walked with God closer than they had ever walked with him before. You are going to be faced with times in your life when compromising with the world will spare you from a fire and standing for the truth will lead you right into it. So let's go back to Mr. Christian and Miss Christian. And they say, my car and my house constantly needs to be repaired. Well, first of all, Mr. and Miss Christian, is it because there's sin in your life? And they say, no, there's no sin in my life. Well, then maybe your car and your house constantly needs to be repaired because you're a missionary on the foreign field. And you're living in a place that doesn't have the greatest houses and cars. Or your bank account is dwindling. Well, Mr. and Ms. Christian, is it because there's sin in your life? No, not, not that I know of. I'm exam- I've examined my heart. I'm a sinner, but I've examined my heart and I don't see anything. Well, maybe your bank account is dwindling because you refuse to chase money and you're putting him first. And when you put him first, you're not going to be rich. Is your job fragile because there's sin in your life? Or is it because you're a Christian in a worldly workplace and they don't like it? 
Is that why your job is constantly under threat? Okay, well maybe God just wants to walk with you a little closer. Is your ministry failing because there's sin in it? Or is it because you refuse to back down in your leadership and people don't like it, so they're going somewhere else where they can compromise? Well, then let them compromise. Is your family struggling because there's sin in your life or is your family struggling because you're standing for right and your family doesn't like it? Is your education at a standstill because there's sin in your life? Or you're saying, I will not let them shape my mind. I will not bow to the world, even if it means the fire. And I believe that God will deliver me from the fire or through the fire. And when you draw nigh to him in that way, he will draw nigh to you. Look back on the times in your life when you walked the closest to the Lord. Were they when everything was going well? Or were they in a fire? Your fire may be to remove sin. And you must take that into consideration. We understand that. Because if you miss it, you're prolonging your fire. But have you ever considered your fire may be because God is in the fire? And he wants you to have an opportunity to walk closer to him than ever before. And if you miss that reason, and you're so busy wondering why God is angry, or you're so busy trying to find a compromise with the world to spare yourself from the fire, and you're so busy doing that that you're not reading your Bible, and you're not praying, and you're not spending time with him, you're not faithful in church, you're not praising him, you're not worshiping him, you're not singing to him, your fire will need to continue until you start focusing on him, because that's the reason he brought the fire. How about this one? Have you ever thought your fire may be just to give God an opportunity to show you how powerful of a savior he is? Why did that blind man go through a fire? Being born blind, why did he go through that fiery trial? You know what the disciples thought? What sin did he do? Or what sin did his father or mother do? And Jesus said, you know, he's going through this just so that I can show people how powerful I am. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me give you the point, I guess. Your, your, your fire may be to get, your, get you right. It may be to draw you near. It may be to make you worship. Those three boys never would have known how powerful their God was without the fire. Now, without the fire, they had already chosen to serve him. With the fire... They come to realize, they come to see that the God they have chosen to serve is able to keep them alive in the fire. That's pretty cool. Able to help them walk through the fire. Able to protect even their hairs from being singed by the fire. Able to keep their garments unchanged in spite of the fire. Able to guard from the smell even after the fire, all while using the fire to burn the ropes that bound them. Amen. What a God! And they never would have known that without the fire. Right. It wasn't to punish their sin. It was because they took a stand and he wanted to walk with them in that stand and he also wanted to look at them and say, hey, check this out. Have you ever thought that your fire may be God's way of saying, just stand, just fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord? Look back at when God did his strongest work in your life. 
Were they in a fire? Job? Do you think Job realized that God was going to use his fire to help billions of people trust in him? When my wife was going through her childhood and her upbringing, all the things that she went through, all the struggles that she went through, I guarantee you, she's told me with her own lips that she asked the Lord, why? And just this last week, we had a young lady call and say, I'm going through this and I don't know what to do. And she was able to say, I've been through that exact situation. And she never would have been able to see that years later, God is able to use even her fire to do something incredible. That is the God that we serve. Only our great God can do that. So Mr. and Ms. Christian, your, your bank account is dwindling. Is there sin in your life? No, not that I know of. Are you walking closer to the Lord right now through this financial fire than ever before? Yeah, I've kind of had to. And do you know how many Mr. and Miss Christians can look back and say, I went through a time of financial trouble and yet I paid every bill on time? Or they talk about a job fire. I look back, my job was so fragile and I didn't know what to do. But I walked with the Lord so closely during that time, and he used it. He got me into a better position today, a position I never would have been in had I not gone through that. Or my health was giving me fits, and then suddenly healing came. My ministry was failing, and then revival came. Family was struggling, and then somebody in my family got saved, and everything worked out. My, my wife's family was, we're all dysfunctional, okay? But... <laughs> They had a time where they were at each other's throats. Two years where they weren't talking to each other. Mom gets saved and everything's changed. Two years where she didn't talk to her older sister and now, the, now they can't stop talking. God did that. Amen. I can tell you of times where my education was at a standstill, but then it led me to, God led me to a better situation through it, or my car and my house needed constant repairs, and then I just get this random check for, from somebody, or some random person comes along and says, oh, I know how to help with that. Mom, you remember the one time where we needed siding on our, on our house? <laughs> we needed siding on our house, and a hailstorm came. And a hailstorm comes and batters one side of our house, and so we hear that a lot of other neighbors are getting their siding replaced through insurance. Cool, let's get on that gravy. So, so get in on that gravy. It's so important to add words. Okay, so my mom calls the insurance adjuster and then she calls a contractor. And the contractor comes out and he says, yeah, you know, I would be able to, I would be able to do this and, and this and that and everything. Well, then she goes to work and then I go to school and then we come home later and the insurance adjuster is there and we're talking to the insurance adjuster and he says, this is not hail damage. And we're like, what are you talking about? It's not hail damage. It is very much hail damage. You know the hailstorm that we had last week? It happened here. <laughs> like they're getting, they, they had hail damage and they had hail damage. What do you mean this is not hail damage? He said, no, no, this, this is mechanical damage. Somebody went 
on each side of your house with a hammer. And bam, 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 bam. It's like you can see the hammer prints and you could, you go up and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm thinking, mom, what did you do? Like we would have, <laughs> we would have gotten it replaced. And it only reaches up a certain height. And sure enough, somebody got up on a, got up on a ladder and could only reach a certain, he's like, and the last thing is, it's on all four sides of your house. A hailstorm doesn't come from all sides. It only comes from one direction. And so mom, you, you know, he's like, we, we're not covering this. This is not, he basically thought, like, you, you all thought you were going to pull a fast one on us. No. And so I go up to mom. I'm like, mom, what's going on? She's like, I think it was the contractor. I think the contractor did it. So I run out to the insurance adjuster and I say, I'm pretty sure the contractor that we had signed up for this did that. Okay, we'll look into it. Sure enough, they look into it. And we end up getting all of our siding replaced and more. So we got more money out of it for vandalism <laughs> rather than the hailstorm. Only God can do that. <laughs> he does his best work in the fire, I'm telling you. But you'll never know that unless you go through it. Maybe your fire is to remove sin. Maybe your fire is to remove compromise or worldly, or worldly desires. Maybe your fire is to remove any doubts that you might have of just how awesome he is. And if you miss that and you spend the whole time in the fire doubting him, your fire is just going to need to keep going until you sit back, fear not, stand still and see. Now, there's another reason why you may be in the fire, though. Do you remember the day God told Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house? Now, follow along, okay? I like this one. Jeremiah watches this man with a lump of clay. And the potter had a plan for it. The potter had a plan for it. And he's working on it. But then throughout it, it was marred. The clay got to a point where it did not match the plan that the potter had for it. So what did the potter do? Chuck it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny too. No, he made it again. He made it again as it seemed fit for the potter to make it. He, he, he put it exactly into the shape that he wanted it to be. But he couldn't stop there. The potter couldn't stop there. There was one more step for the potter. There was one more step for that piece of clay. And you know what it was? You have to put it in the fire. And I'm guessing that clay would have asked, have I done something wrong? Why else are you putting me in the fire? Am I not what you want me to be? But the potter would say, actually, you're exactly what I want you to be. And that's why I'm putting you in the fire now. The fire will set you in place. The fire will make you stronger. I'm not removing sin. I'm not removing compromise. I'm not removing doubts. That was in the molding process. Now I've got you right where I want you to be, but without the fire, you won't be set. You will be easily moldable into another shape. You'll be easily damaged, and you won't shine. The fire may be to get you right by removing sin. It may be to draw you near by removing compromise. It may be to make you worship by removing doubts. Have you ever thought it may be to make you stronger by removing weaknesses? It may be because you're right where God wants you to be. Well, if I'm right where God wants me to be, then why won't he leave me alone? Because if he leaves you alone, 
You're not going to be set. He wants to set you in place. He wants to remove your weaknesses, and he can't do that without the fire. And if you miss that and you fight him the whole time and do everything you can to avoid the fire, you will always be in danger of being molded by anybody else who walks by. Listen, there's always a reason for your fire. Our first question is usually, so it should be, Lord, have I done something wrong? Is there sin in my life? Are you angry with me? But I see in Scripture, God's fire isn't always to reprove, but it is always to remove. God's fire isn't always to reprove something. It is always to remove something. His fire isn't always to punish, but it is always to purge. The finding pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, the Lord trieth the hearts. There are impurities in that metal that need to be brought out so it could reach its full potential, but it will not happen without a purging process. There are impurities in your heart that God needs to get out so that you can reach your full potential, but it cannot happen without fire. So are you going through a fire right now? Again, don't, don't raise your hand. Are you going through a fire right now? While you're asking, Lord, why the fire? Why? I'm asking you, what do you think he's trying to remove? What do you think he's trying to remove from your life? That is the purpose of every fire. Every fire in your life is to increase your value by removing material that God doesn't want there anymore. That is the purpose of every fire, no matter what the fire is, financial, family, career, education, no matter what the fire is, it is always to make you better by removing what makes you worse. Now get this, you will come out smaller. You have to shed material. You have to shed worthless material, but you will come out pure because God, that's the purpose of it. He wants to remove those things that he doesn't want there. So is it sin? Why the fire? Is he trying to remove sin? Until you get that sin out, your fire will continue. Is it compromise? Until you start serving only him, your fire will continue. And you're missing out on walking very closely to him. Is it to remove doubt? Fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. But if you choose to fear and you won't stand still and you only look to yourself, your fire will continue. And I know I not only see that on an individual basis, I've seen that as a, as a church. I've seen that here in our church where our church goes through a fiery trial. And you know why? It's because we have people in the congregation who have sin in their life and God wants to get it out. I have seen this church go through trials until the people who were sinning either got right or got out. I have seen this church go through trials because there were people who did not believe what the book said and they were ready to compromise with the world and God knew I can't do anything with that. So I'm going to turn up the heat until they get right or they get out. I've seen us go through fiery trials simply because, not because there's sin, not because there's compromise, but because we're fearful. And we're doubtful. And God says, okay, I'm going to put you in something that only I can get you out of and sit back and watch this. I've also seen a church go through purging because we're weak. And we need to be stronger for what comes ahead of us. So is it weakness for you individually? Is it weakness? Don't get angry with God 
for putting you through a fire for no reason. I'm not sinning. I'm not compromising. I don't doubt it. What, why doesn't he just leave me alone? I haven't done anything wrong. Well, you have now that you're complaining about it. <laughs> Maybe you're right where he wants you to be. Stay right. Keep the sin out. Stay true. Keep compromise out. Keep trusting. Keep doubt out. And let God set your vessel firmly in place. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.